0: you're listening to the Manufacturing
1: Ignition podcast. Keep updated with the latest news, recruitment advice, and hot topics within the UK manufacturing industry. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping
0: manufacturing leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their manufacturing company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfirerecruitment.com.
1: Here's your hosts, Terry Mallin and Scott Buchanan. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Manufacturing Ignition podcast hosted by myself, Terry Ballin, and my co-host, Scott Buchanan. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? How's your week been? It's been a good week, Terry. It's been a good week.
0: I haven't seen you this week. Have you been a, a busy, busy man? I certainly have. Did you manage to get the supermarket scenario sorted? Supermarket scenario is not resolved yet, um, but I'm hoping um, word will get out that the Glasgow suburbs of, of one of the major supermarkets in the UK soon gets the digital situation sorted out because I tell you what, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about um, planting some seeds so that we can get some some decent produce located in the back in the house. It's, it's just been so busy to get to the shops, so deliveries is the, the future.
1: Okay, interesting. Well, you do know you can't grow beans and toast out of the back, Scott.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you say that, but actually, since you get yourself a good three D printer, you can maybe make one up. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, no, no, Scott. Uh, this week's been busy for myself. Been catching up with a lot of key individuals, getting some positive and constructive feedback in the podcast from last week. So, so that's been good, and hopefully, we can adapt that into future podcasts going forward. For those tuning in for the first time, uh just to give you a bit of background, Scott and myself have been working within the manufacturing recruitment sector for. I think, about 15 years combined, Scott? Yeah, I think it's at least that now, definitely. Yeah, we're showing the grey hair and the wrinkles. To have you, uh, still got, have you still got here? <laughs> yeah, just, just. <laughs> so, and, and, and the recruitment that we focus on is all within management and technical recruitment. We started this podcast to give an impartial view on the latest manufacturing sector news, discuss specific hot topics on a weekly basis, and give a real insight into recruitment and people retainment. So let's get started. So this week, we'll go through the latest news this week. Hot topic is going to be around Industry 4.0, and specific recruitment minute, or recruitment minutes, as we will soon finding out, <laughs> uh, is on the final two problems falling on from the first episode last week. So if you've not heard that, please check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you'll find the first episode there. To find out the first two problems, yeah, the you, other two. You may get things. a
0: fright with the picture that you see, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's it's certainly an innovative way of uh, get getting the, the word out there, I guess, isn't it? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, and I've, and you, as you can see for the image, I've clearly got here. So <laughs> whatever Scott says, he's just making things up. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, anyway, without thank ado, Scott. What's the latest news out there
0: this week? Yeah, well, this week's been an interesting time within the, the UK manufacturing sector. Um, it would appear that the performance is, is up in um, October 2017. The, the downside, arguably, of that is there's a likelihood of an interest rate rise um, in, the, the, in the economy. So I don't know if, don't know if you saw anything okay. related to that during the week,
1: Terry. Uh, yeah, I actually had a read this morning. Uh, the Independent posted an article online and they mentioned that the Purchasing Managers Index, or the PMI, has came in at 56.3 for October And to compare that to the previous month in September, it came in at 56. So there's an increase there. Expectations were actually set at 55.8. So it's came in 0.5 more, which is massive, you know, in... Uh, Scott, obviously for for the PMI, what does that mean for for industry? Well, as as you know, I, I like getting to the detail, but if, if I'm honest, that that's probably you know in
0: in my simple head, I believe that as long as it's over fifty and above fifties growth, isn't it? Which yeah. which seems to be good, and the fact that it surpassed that number is is impressive, I guess, and
1: and all yeah. all good for going forward. Exactly, exactly, and and you know, reading a bit more into it, I think the increases came from increased inflows of new work which is ramping up production especially we're getting into christmas time as well you know a lot of production facilities will be ramping up but tying into the actual wider economy you know with that there's a possibility that the bank of england will increase uh, interest rates and they'll rise for the first time in a decade but we're just waiting to hear if that's the case but it's all positive for a manufacturing perspective really good to see especially amid the concerns and uncertainty around Britex so yeah all positive yeah,
0: interesting times but I think there's certainly companies that we are working with at the moment that they, they seem to have got a plan in place and it's been in you know the, the changes have happened and it's, it's all about um, following through in that vision and actually having the, the guts I guess to, to keep going with it because um, no one likes change but actually the, the, the strategies there and most companies I think we are certainly ones we know of, seem to be at a level footing at the moment time will Tell, I
1: guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and exactly. And and on the actual insight and I noticed this morning as well on the Financial Times the pound gets a boost from UK manufacturing rate expectations. To put that into context, uh there's a two point four percent rise on the euro and a one point five percent rise in the dollar. So that can only be positive, you know, for manufacturers buying ingredients or materials, or alternatively selling outside the UK, they're getting a bit more bang for their buck. Yeah, they might be able to hedge their their money now a bit better than what they've been able to because there's not been much margin at all, has there? And and Scott, you better as you, moving on to the next bit of news. You better get the old bow tie, the old dicky <laughs> tie, looked out. It's the Food Manufacturing Excellence Awards tonight in Park Lane, London. Uh, not nice. a game of Monopoly.
0: It's <laughs> a beautiful hotel. Um, I don't know if you've, you've ever been in it, but uh,
1: yeah. It's, Tonight's tonight, Terry? Um, nope, I nope. I, I only see holiday inns. I don't see the lights at Park But I know it's in its 17th year, the awards, and there will be 60 food and drinks companies all competing for uh, some prestigious awards. You know, Bakery Manufacturer of the Year, I know Addo's up for that, and a company, The Bread Factory. Now, the Bread Factory, interesting, having a bit of an insight, it's a really dynamic entrepreneurial bakery based in London. Right. Uh, they're doing some great things. And there's a company called the British, uh, the Great British Biscotti. Now, that's interesting. I don't know the business that well. But actually, when you look further down, they're also up for SME Innovation of the Year Award. Oh, yeah. So they must, doing, they must be doing some good things. That's probably because you're eating all their, their product a bit. Yeah, probably, probably. And Chilled Manufacturer Award of the Year, uh, Hitchens Foods and Wiggins up for that, which is a party back of her. Obviously, I do a lot of recruitment in the Northwest, so I know that business uh, well. And one that's obviously of interest to us, specifically, Scott, for Future Stars, the Young Talent of the Year Award, You know, uh, one for uh, us to keep an eye out for the Future Stars for the companies that we recruit for. Interesting, and is, is your name on that
0: there, Terry? Are you are you now at the wrong side of twenty
1: one for that? Yeah, I'm. 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 Uh, I'm now thirty one. I'm beyond that now. You know, I'm just in the general, the general admission side of it. So yeah. So I. I good luck to all nominees tonight from ourselves. And then, and then further down the line, Scott, there's uh, another live event in London, on the twenty first to the twenty fourth of November. Right. Just food, food matters live. They've just released uh, an event preview. Which is basically a forty-nine page PDF. You can Google it and see it online. But the most interesting part for me, Big Heston Blumenthal is going to be
0: there. <laughs> you do like his food and he, his ideas. He's, he's he's incredible. Did Did you see the one? I know this like deviation here. Did you ever see the one where he he was working? I think it was for one of the major airlines, British Airways, I think it was, where he sampled or he was trying to create their menu that allowed for the the effects of altitude on food on taste buds. Is did that you see? Right? Yeah. Apparently, we are um, our taste buds change at altitude, and there's a lot of of. I wouldn't bore you with the science behind it all because I don't know it, but the, the the salt content within it all has a dramatic effect. Actually, of what you can actually taste at height, um, and he worked out a plan around it all. It was incredible. I don't know whether it's still about YouTube or whatever. Okay. Maybe one so, to watch. Maybe one
1: there. Yeah. 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 So, so that's Food Live Matters in London, the twenty first to twenty fourth of November. You want to see Heston face to face? There you go. there's your opportunity. You seem to be talking a lot about food this weather, Terry. I mean, did you hear about? Um,
0: I thought you were the car man. Did you Did you hear about the, the new fast car that's on the block? The, the Bloodhound.
1: Did you hear about it? Does <laughs> that Yeah. Is that was that the the cars? The you know because you know I'm big into my my cars, but I seen something about something designing a car to go a thousand miles per hour. Yeah,
0: and I, I double checked. You know, I double
1: looked rather um, when I when I saw that number a thousand miles an hour on land. Really? Yeah, I mean I did see it in the news, but I mean I know the, the existing record is seven hundred and sixty-three miles per hour, and that was ten years ago in October nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, I mean that's I mean that's ridiculous. But I know they were doing some tests down and down at Cornwall Airport and it was the first time the public have seen it, uh, where 4,000 people basically went to watch this car doing tests on our, and I think the, I mean, just to give you an idea, the runway is about 1.7 miles long, but, you know, I mean, the the article that I read says it's moving a step closer to the goal by completing a series of 200 mile per hour tests uh, on that 1.7 mile runway. My view on it is 200 mile an hour to 1,000 mile an hour, there's a big massive jump there. And especially in a one point seven mile runway, if you were going to do it a wee bit faster, I'm sure you would have got it up to some sort of speed on that, considering you can get to zero to sixty in like whatever uh, on a on a supercar these days. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I wonder what happens with the gearing in that.
0: Um, if there is
1: gearing it probably isn't, it'll be jet, I would assume.
0: Um, so actually um, I guess it's like trying to go from you know on a motorway you know you're eighty miles an hour to in this case eight hundred miles an hour, thousand miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. um, that must be
1: pretty noisy. Can you imagine standing next to that thing? That'll, that'll be impressive. Aye, HSE will be all over that. You know, <laughs> your ear Duff's in for that. Needs a good design team as well.
0: Um, but exactly. no, no <laughs> nice. be, yeah, I hope they do that. That'll be impressive. But that, there maybe will be, well, there would be a sonic boom, I guess, as well. That'd be. Well, that's there's
1: so many. So many questions that could come out of that. But, um, yeah, all good for Britain. All yeah, good. so so good luck to the guys. I mean, fantastic achievement. You're able to achieve that. Um, really interesting for, you know, the design of fast cars going forward, etc. So, now yeah, yeah, good luck. Good luck. I hope all goes well. Okay, so I think that wraps up sort of the brief news, Scott. Now we'll move on to hot topic this week, which is Industry 4.0. And Scott, you were giving me a wee bit more of an insight. I remember last year into this, you know, Industry 4.0. What, what, you know, can you, can you give me an insight again into what exactly uh, that, that stands for? Well, I mean, it's it's the new, it's the way things are going. Um, it's been talked about certainly
0: in the, the Scottish and, and the regions community for a long time. I think there's conflicting arguments about um, how advantageous it can be for given business, depending on the size and scale. But I mean, by definition, I believe it's, it's industry 4.0 is using innovation and technology to create um, smart factories where IT systems monitor physical processes and are able to make decisions without human intervention. All right. I mean, yeah. the way I look at it um, is it's more smart technology um, and it's relating to, you know, the next industrial revolution, um, which is centered around intelligent manufacturing and bringing together contemporary automation data exchange and new manufacturing technologies. And I think the question that, that I well, haven't spoken to a few people about this and of various shapes and sizes of organization actually it seems to be what value this would actually give at this point in time to them. Do you see? And and whether actually the, the you know the technology is worth the investment versus the return. So it's quite it seems yeah. to be a hot
1: topic across manufacturing at the moment As we yeah talk- of course of course and people think it's just robotics but actually it's not just robotics it's robotics 3D printing virtual reality could possibly come into that and using artificial intelligence you know with, with this this is actually machines within a factory being able to communicate with each other if there's a problem they all communicate and they can stop the line that, that can then get reported to the engineering team they can go down and resolve the problem and it carries on so you know it's a, it's all about communication throughout there and that can bring up its challenges which we'll go through Scott as we you know you know as we're going through this uh, hot topic mm-hmm. but i'm sure you know most people are aware of industry 4.0 has been a buzzword around manufacturing professionals if you don't know about it where have you been and and what I'd rather us do rather than is going over the same old discussions we thought um it would be wise to discuss what is the reality of the transition to smart factories, and what are people doing rather than talking about this currently?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Does that sound yeah. okay? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I've got, there was a recent status of, which was 38% of manufacturing businesses are, act, are actively looking for alternative materials such as nanotechnology. And actually at least half of these companies believe that these trends will become widely adopted in the future. Do you know that way? So it's it's the innovation piece again, isn't it? It's about making yeah. sure that I think all factories are keen to make efficiencies, and it's a ad, it's adopting you know the
1: embracing
0: and adopting um, technology um, and allowing you know money to be made, I guess, and then making yeah. the factory more
1: competitive. Correct, more prod more productive. But just to give you a bit of background. Before we dive into this, it was capsulated very well by an article by Mike Rigby, who's the head of manufacturing for Barclays. Right. So 2016 was the year when transformation within UK manufacturing companies really picked up. The digital economy dominated the world in terms of disruptive and transformative. That became typical boardroom jargon. Moving into January this year, 2017, it's been described as a year of opportunity for manufacturers. Now that we are near the end of 2017, how has that transpired? Where are we with that process? So I've done a bit of digging, Scott, just right. to see where we're at. So, so far in 2017, as we touched on in the latest news, the PMI is on an upwards trend, and that's that can only be positive for manufacturing. On the back of that, order books are hitting a level last seen, you know, a high level, which was last seen in the 1980s. SME manufacturing companies, they grew at their fastest pace since 2010. I think that was driven by, you know, export order books reaching a 20-year high off the back of that. So it's all very, very positive for manufacturing so far in 2017. Some people might say this might be a direct influence due to people becoming more productive, embracing innovation, which could be related to industry 4.0. My personal opinion, you know, when I've been in companies throughout 2017, I'm not seeing still enough companies making capital investments. And especially at a time when when innovation is so widely available and so promoted. I do understand there is a hesitation for investment though, due to what's going on with BritX and the, you know, and 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 the external influences. But sitting right here in November, the first of November 2017, with the positive trends, maybe this is a time to start thinking about investing. As they say, Scott, the old saying, the early bird catches a worm. What's your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I think, look, I was
0: recently at a conference up up, uh, the, up over Edinburgh, and I think one of the, the key points of that and the debate um, within the, some of the individuals present was along the lines of, you know, you have, you know, the big boys there, whether it's a Siemens or, you know, a Bosch or, you know, a, a massive organisation um, trying to add value to a traditionally ran, in our case, a Scottish company, who have had you know good processes in place, have got a good product, and actually um, being able to almost educate you know, that business in terms of right, do you know what if you if you embrace this piece of the technology, this will actually allow you to evolve whatever it is and actually longer term um you know will it increase output and I think one of the fearful factors of of many manufacturing companies is actually the impact on yes the bottom line but also the the perception the market of staffing levels and I think that there seems to be an incorrect perception in my view that robots are going to take over over the you know over the world and, and as a result is actually going to get rid of jobs. It's actually in reality, going to do the opposite. It's it's actually, you know, the, the, there needs to be upskilling, of course, um, but the roles that would actually be coming along, you know, who, who's going to to, to manage these robots and who's going to actually develop the processes. And actually, from you know, if you're doing more of a role within an organization, you'll probably find that the salary reward and that you know is, is going to be there as well. So it's kind of a win win. You've got yeah. the employee who's making more money and get a more interesting role, um, arguably, and um, depending on what they're doing, um, and then you've got the, the business that's that's clearly happy because it's got a more automated, stroke reliable, and quality efficient process you know, that, that is, is hopefully being a bit
1: more efficient and more competitive in the marketplace. 100%. And I think that the companies that are embracing this now and making the the, the investment, they're going to be getting the best people possible to manage these these systems and, and and robots because there's clearly, once this starts to snowball, there's clearly going to be a talent shortage of people out there that can... I think, you know, the ones that are forward thinking, the early bird catches a worm and actually... Embracing this, training the guys up, getting people that can maintain it is only going to be a benefit. So Sorry for cutting over, Terry. Um, the, one of the things that, that, that came out, and, and
0: something, to be honest, I haven't really thought about. But if you, if you go back to the likes of the evolution that's happened, it's not like me to go on about shopping. But um, if you think of, you know, the likes of an Amazon or, you know, the, the, the big companies that have been, you know, invested and got processes and think of their automated process that happens you know, to, to allow you to get your your, your, your tea arrived tomorrow morning. you know that way? It's, it's, it's incredible. So actually, um, the supply chain element and actually embracing not necessarily, you know, you might be making your product, but actually how you get your material and how you get your product to market do you know that way, yeah, those are the opportunities, and actually, that can be an international threat as well. If you're supplying out to you know, if, you, if you're not doing it, your competitor will be doing it. And we're now in this global marketplace where, do you know what? And um, if you're not going to do it, then someone else will, and, and, and you'll you know, you'll toil. Um, so, so these are the things that from a a supply chain and this, you know, the cloud based um capability now that, that, that this has. Um, it's incredible and, to be honest, quite impressive. Do you, I do you remember, You, I, I think you were there actually as we walked through a factory once and you saw the, the quality department of this this um, mechanically focused organisation whereby it was actually like a team of, what was it, 40, 40 people looking at um, parts for a business. And yep. um, the, their job was actually, you know, individually keeping an eye open for cracks in metal and actually you know antiquated slow and co- you know cost ineffective processes that, that was happening there and um, and as we all know by actually you know investing in a piece of plant you know that you know that that can evolve that and i think um, there's you know the, the, the quality impact of embracing industry 4.0 everyone wins do you know that way you know yeah. the, the the product is of higher quality, more consistent quality, and and actually more control. And, and there's, there's probably less stuff having to the left line about a
1: factory floor um, and so on as well. So that, that's just my 100%. Two best. I don't know what you think. No, that was good, Scott. That was good. That was interesting. I, I, right, so, I mean, we're, we're kind of touching on a lot of robotics there. And, and you know, the investment in op- automation, for example, there was a report, a uh, new data came out from IFR, which is the, the International Federation of Robots. So they pulled out a report which shows the the world's largest markets for industrial robots and who's buying that, okay, with regards Mm -hmm. to sales. The top five markets are China, South Korea, Japan, USA, and Germany. And those five markets combined make up 74% of the total sales worldwide for industrial robots which I found quite astounding. I was wondering, where is the UK in that? And I know we're we're a smaller country, but I do know that in 2016, sales figures did increase for the first time in the UK on industrial robots since 2012. So, you know, that's positive, but I think we could really be doing a lot more. I think that the challenge
0: is it's related to actually what industry and what, you know, um, what the product is and actually how modern or in the scale of the, the, the business. So you've got, I don't know, two blogs and co who are making a product. They've done it that way forever, but why would they change? Do you know that way? So there needs to be an argument there. Likewise, you know, you, you're working with your you know your your food manufacturing businesses that they know you know speed and time um is of the essence you know that way. So how how you know these companies would may well embrace um and have the money also um you know to, to, to change things quickly. Um and I think the UK, if you look at actually the businesses, with the exception of the likes of, I don't know, say automotive, you know, automotive manufacturing and maybe the supply chain thereof maybe a wee bit of aerospace, but you're actually looking at organizations that that you know that 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 out with of that that will have their own set process do you know that way and it's actually trying for them to to get their head around where the opportunity lies for them. Um, yeah. But I know but if you look at guess what economy's been flying recently? Automotive and aerospace yeah. recently as well. And guess what? It's it's highly it's highly automated um, and cost effective.
1: Yeah, good. About about Scott being devil's advocate, you know, it's all it's positive not, and all that good stuff. But it's not, you know, end of the day, we're seeing in the news quite often, you know, cyber attacks where cyber criminals are holding businesses' websites to ransom and yeah. and, and looking for money out the back of that. And and I can see a big opportunity for these type of individuals that would see this within a large manufacturing company and actually doing that sort of stuff. So we need to protect ourselves from that. And they really need to start thinking about that before.
0: It's it's relevant. And I think, I know certainly Siemens was certainly one of the the organization. I'm I'm assuming that the the others will be there as well. But they they actually can do, there's two things happening. There's one, and and listen to this one, the virtual engineering piece, there's actually a sharing of of technology, actually. There is actually the the potential of sharing within the cloud. Um, And there's also the companies that um, would also have their own private you know their own perfectly private and stable cloud, with all in, you know with all the, the ties and and there. So they certainly. I haven't heard of any stories of technology being pinched if that makes sense as in you know we've heard of um the it related you know scenarios that we're all aware of um but actually i haven't yet heard maybe it's around the corner i don't know but you know yeah. a factory closing down because someone's jumped in or that because i think it is very well protected by and, and companies pay a lot of money to these you know to the big players to, to make sure that their, their data is safe and secure
1: Well, exactly, and I think that's a big thing to note as well. You know, a lot of manufacturing companies have, you know, their own intellectual property, and there's a risk of obviously confidential information being exposed when systems are involved as well. Um, so so that has to be taken into account as well. I think, see, see, seeing reflection, Scott, when we summarise everything up. So, I mean, manufacturing is at a crucial turning point right now. The market is very positive; it's better than it's ever been in the past few years. There's more certainty at some extent around Britex. Innovation and technology is far more accessible than it ever has been. And I think as a UK manufacturing business owner or leader, you know, the question probably is, are you in a position to take a risk to be a market leader and pioneers within smart technology and creating a, a smart factory and really putting a stamp on the industry?
0: The, the, use the word risk, Terry. I, I would absolutely argue that this factor. I, I think if, if the investment isn't there, unless they have a very unique product that no one else is going to be doing, um, the risk factor is if they don't invest. Do you know that way? Um, I think it's actually going to be the other way around if you don't move with the times. Because, as, as I've said before, you know, manufacturing is the beating heart of the entire UK. Companies that are, are lagging behind, you know, it's, it's about the future. And technology is there to, you know, to be used and to, to be to help companies mitigate that risk of
1: of the future. It's certainly, seen, seen that that that's what we're seeing with some of our clients, isn't it? hundred percent. And and you know, I mean, that's a uh, two pence worth on on our insight. And I think you know what we're going to move on next is onto the recruitment minute. And I think this ties in really well because we're going to be talking about tra- traditional recruitment processes being outdated. And how you can actually, you know, and then the solution we're going to go through the next couple of weeks is how you embrace technology and data to solve that problem. You know, I think that was I think that was pretty well covered, Scott, with regards to Industry 4.0. Well, certainly, here it's, it's an overview,
0: isn't it? And I think, um, yeah. like, I think we're, we're all all aware, like, technologies here. I think um, the professionals that are in this space, you know, need to. I uh, hopefully that the business leaders will, you know, are certainly open to the idea. Um, and I think most certainly all the people we've spoken to are actually they're almost they can't get enough information in this. So, so time
1: will tell. Time will tell. Well, let's move on to the next topic. So, on our previous episode, we discussed the first two of four specific main problems we experience in, ma- in the manufacturing industry in terms of business leaders recruiting the best management team. This week, we're going to go through the final two problems. Uh, and as I said at the start, if you haven't listened to episode one, please check back. You can see it on SoundCloud and, and iTunes. And over the coming weeks, we will be discussing the solutions to the four problems identified. We're all about uh, solving problems we don't cause problems we solve problems so so that's that's what i'm excited to go through on the next two episodes uh, that's what we're all episode about. three and four Absolutely. so the recruitment minutes so the two final problems we see are one traditional recruitment processes being outdated my piece on this scott i think Higher managers that I, that I meet with and discuss about their frustration about recruitment processes is they've got reservations and concerns if they're actually reaching the best people for their business. Trust me, adverts just don't do it anymore. And that's very outdated. And with that, those reservations and concerns, this can raise doubt when people are making hires. And I know a lot of people are under pressure with regards to time constraints, etc. I, I mean, this isn't, you know, I'm 100%. This isn't HR or internal recruitment team's fault for the recruitment process has been outdated um, or the business's fault. You know, they've only got to work with the limited tools that's provided to them. But I think that's one of the big issues I see is that there's a lot of, you know, traditional processes that are outdated. I think, um, well, you you know,
0: I'm, I'm pretty old school. Um, and I think certainly, you know, the, the, the training that we've had from our um, established recruitment companies that is well recognized as being the leader, you know, of, of doing what they do. And, um, you know, that, that is really difficult when you see the results of, you, you know, the comparison of embracing, you know, modern technology. Again, what we're talking about, industry four and recruitment, who knows? But, but actually being able to make your client's world easier, having access to talent that maybe isn't accessible. Do you know that way? Um, we, we now, you know, yes, we advertise some, but I, I know certainly the majority of my time is actually building you know, relationships with people that, that, that actually probably aren't looking on the marketplace.
1: And Scott, putting that into perspective, if you're an HR manager or a head of HR, you just simply don't have the time to build that <laughs> sort of network.
0: But as you know, you know these people are—they—they—they've got another job to do as well. Do you know that way? And all they're trying to to find is their best talent. I mean, that, that's—I'm sure what they're, they're all trying to do. And I guess it's just trying to to make sure that that that, that we have access to that. And um, yeah, no, I, th- I think the processes and. And to be fair, some of the, you know, some of the multinational organizations that, that are there as well, they, they sometimes, the local person, you know, whether it's the MD, the HR manager, or you know, is, is fully aware of the frustrations of, of not being able to get the talent in, but they have to fall into the international recruitment process that is maybe not suited to, you know, the the, the local market area. Well, other issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And as I touched on with regards to advert adverts just not cutting it anymore. I mean, that's 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 blatant, you know. It's samari you really need to build up that pool and make sure that you are getting the best people for your business on the basis of, you know, because these people could put extra zeros on the turnover and the profit within the company. And and, and I think, you know, those reservations and concerns that higher managers do have, do they have access to the best people? I think that often results and because they, everybody's under pressure with time etc that there is at times a risk taken on the the individual they've hired they're not 100% bought into that person but actually they're 70% there and that can often result in a a wrong hire being made either from a culture point of view or from an experience point of view and that that brings me on to the final problem where what I find is time and money is wasted hiring unproductive candidates and that can tie into business time, you know, the the money lost internally from everyone involved in that recruitment process, the time waited, wasted and waiting on the maybe the three-month notice period where maybe you've had an interim in place where you're paying a lot of money on a daily. Yeah. And then going through that process of managing that person through the business, training, development, to then eventually exiting the business and all the associated fees that come along with all that. You know, there's a lot, a lot of time and money, and, that, and that's just been unproductive. So I think, you know, putting everything into perspective, that ties in nicely with the problem three, being traditional recruitment processes are outdated. If you were in a position where you had access to all the potential candidates for a specific role that, that was in the marketplace, um, and you can make a, a 100% honest, gut-feeling decision where you know you're hired the right person, then that would solve a lot of this, a lot of the problems that I see with time wasted and, and money wasted on on hiring the wrong person. What's your thought, Scott?
0: Yeah,
1: and I think, do you know what? Again, it's, it's an element of the education
0: whereby I think genuinely clients do believe sometimes that they are getting the best talent there. Do you know that way? I, I do think that they, they, they believe that the person they've worked with for a long time, and um, because they've worked with them for a long time, doing the traditional method of recruitment um, means that they will get the best talent. But, but as we know, and I, I'm not going to bore anyone with the stats just now, but we you know, you know that, that by embracing the modern technology that we set them based on and then actually um, building the relationships, as we've always done, and also for the longer term, um, the two work hand in hand well. And, and certainly the feedback we've had from our clients and from our candidates um, seems to be so far um, pretty good. Something actually, to, I got a call from a, a client earlier, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a company I've worked with, I don't know, what, five years, maybe at least five years now. And, and day one, they were a, a, an absolute SME. Um, and they, um, as of 2017, are expected to turn over £4 million um, this year. And I'm speaking to the the director within the business that's that's come through the years and ages, I guess, um, and got the worst scars, and um, he he was explaining, do you know how much nonsense is actually written on a CV? And I was thinking that is such a that's an interesting point. Do, do you ever hear that Terry, whereby you've got you know you speak to a candidate and that they've written word for word down what you know what they do as a job, but actually when you question them, that they actually can't give you the
1: depth. Have you ever had yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's, sometimes you know, not, not. not I mean, at the end of the day, Scott. You know, we do a lot of video interviews and stuff like that, which puts a wee bit back up feeling. But I have had that before. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite interesting.
0: Yeah, well, what the the client was explaining was actually that he's he's now got to the point, and actually talking about that that video interview piece, he, he actually requested it. Um, from us now to, to for a couple of candidates so that so that they can actually compare. Actually, they're more interested in what they see on the basis they've got the credit, you know, that they, they've got a CV and there's a the potential in there from bullet points. But the actual guts is is more about what the, the candidates actually say, and um, because yeah. that's what they know, they can see the eyeballs and they can see what's going on
1: exactly. And so, but it allows people to put a more meat about their bones. Just to summarise then, so traditional processes we feel are outdated uh, within manufacturing companies and that can result in the time and money wasted hiring unproductive candidates. So over the next two following podcasts, we'll go through the the solutions that we find that can hopefully help you as a manufacturing leader or an HR manager to hopefully take some tips and advice, um, if we can, and, and, and embrace that within your business to solve those problems. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Always happy to help and, and work closely
1: with companies
0: and, and help solving problems is what we do.
1: Yeah. So, Scott, did you see the... Moving on to... Just, just that says, obviously, we'll, we'll close off there. But, you know, uh, did you see the the email that... We're, you know, so we guys, just to get you up to speed, we've done a lot, a lot of work to improve our website to make it more streamlined. But what we've also gave a facility is for people who manufacturing professionals who we work with who are looking for a career change we actually are able to give them access uh, to their own profile via login and what that allows them to do is actually log in they can update their latest cv they can update their preferences which allows me and scott if i'm recruiting any confidential roles that might be of interest and and 90 percent of the people we work with aren't actively looking they are literally only want to be notified if the right opportunity comes up, which all them to progress their career or give them a new challenge or, you know, a benefit yeah, with regards to the location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so with this login, Scott, what it actually allows the guys to do is to go in there and update it, you know, any time they can update their preferences, which means as soon as we got a specific rule on, our system automatically delivers a shortlist for us. Uh, and these guys will be included in that shortlist, allowing us to contact them. So very, very exciting. And I know we'd caught up, Scott, so I just wanted to... So everyone who's an existing candidate on our system as a manufacturing professional, there will be an email going out on Friday. And if you'll have your new login details, check it out. Please give us some feedback and let us know what your thoughts are about the new website, about the new login procedure. If you actually go in there and update your profile between Friday and midnight on Sunday, which is Bonfire Night funny enough <laughs> uh, so if you update your details by Sunday we'll put you into a prize draw that Scott will pick out the hat uh, to win a 3D printer tying in with the Industry 4.0 yeah
0: no and it's it'll be yeah it's it's such a um, Terms of what our capability is with the system and the, the investment that we've got there, um, I think one of the things we we will not do is is to make sure that well that what we will do is making sure that the, the, the candidates get spoken to about what they want to be spoken to about, not about things that's wasting anyone's time. So let, um, and I'll be interested to see if anyone. That, the deal is with the three D printer though is that, that they can actually design a tin can for for my beans or your beans to in case this this digital manufacturing piece doesn't
1: kick off locally for me. But I thought, I, I thought you said you can create beans and toast through the 3D printer. That's what I'm saying. I
0: need that person to be able to design it. Don't, I don't have the design capability But um, So, so ah. a, designer is going, a senior
1: designer is going to be no, Absolutely. Is that yeah. right? So that's why, that's why you came up with a prize, uh, everybody. I gave Scott the option, you know, what, what do you want the prize to be? And they came up with a 3D printer. It all makes sense now. Scott, I'll, I'll t- you know let's close off there. That was that was really interesting. You know, next week we'll we'll be going through uh, latest news. The hot topic next week is actually going to be around the food to go sector and how it's actually going through multi million pound growth. We all know how convenience food is on the up. Most most people are we'll go to Asda and buy the vegetable bags with cauliflower, broccoli, and carrots in it. Um, So we'll go through that as a hot topic and and give you an insight into, uh, you know, interesting food that's out there uh, within the food to go sector. And then more importantly, Scott, we'll go through the solutions to the problems we've we've identified in the last two podcast episodes. Uh, So, yeah, that's us. That's a wrap. Sounds good. Well, hope you have a good week, Terry. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to catching up next week with everyone. Yeah, good, good. So, guys, any feedback, any advice, any questions, you know, even by looking for key topics that you would want to specifically hear, please just drop us an email. Uh, so, you can, you can, my email address is terry at bonfire com, and Scott is Scott at bonfire com. We look forward to catching up with you all next week uh, and take care.